You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you're listening to a special Burst Ball podcast episode. Last week, our very own Callum Scott spoke with the former Kilmarnock and Morton boss, Kenny Shield. I think it's fair to say he's a big idol of Callum. And um, Callum, Callum had the opportunity, contacted Kenny a couple of weeks ago and asked him, would you be willing to do this interview for the Burst Ball podcast? Kenny, I mean, Callum will tell you later on, I'm sure, how how generous Kenny was with his time and also the effort he made to, to get to the interview. So I won't talk too much before it, we'll just let the words um, do it justice and here is Callum Scott speaking to former Kilmarnock and Morton boss Kenny Shields. Kenny, thanks very much for joining me in Central Station on a Sunday morning when you're a busy man today, so thanks very much for taking your time out to come and speak to me. Um, I would like to just run, run down a few things with you regarding uh, your time at Kilmarnock as well as briefly your time at Morton in Thailand and obviously you're in Scotland just now with the motherboard position open as well. Yes, yes. So, but to start off with Kelly, how did it come about? How do you and Mixu know each other? And well, Mixu had, uh, my son had played for Mixu and I'd been to see him a couple of times and we shared philosophies in the game and you know when it came up he, he spoke to me practically the day he got the job and asked me would I be his assistant and I said yes straight away because I wanted to get up into Scotland and challenge myself in a different pathway mm-hmm. having worked in academies for you know I'd been eight years with the international under 17s and I'd been three with Tranmere Rovers and I wanted to get back into senior where I'd managed a lot in Ireland, Ireland and uh, I, I grabbed the opportunity and then Mixie and I just went at it and you know it was uh, we seen with the same problems as I had when Mixie left at the, at the start it took a little while to form adaptations in how we wanted to play and it was totally different to the previous way of playing mm-hmm. and uh we were bottom of the league in Halloween and we went to Edinburgh to play Hearts and then we just kicked on from there we beat them we won our next three we beat them at, in, in Edinburgh and they were the old Hearts I'm talking about yeah. when they were up there and it was a fantastic performance and we just our brand of football started we knew it would come good and uh, that's basically how we started off absolutely and Obviously, I said the the, the three 0 win at Tynecastle. It was three consecutive three 0s wasn't it? Three 0 at Tynecastle, exactly. three 0 Hamilton, three 0 St Johnson. Yes. Um, we were on an incredible run. And then we were beaten by Rangers at home uh, in the November. Am I right in saying it was three two against Rangers? It was. Because right. I remember being at the game and I was saying to my dad, I was saying, "There's no way Rangers are beating us today the way we're playing unless we do something stupid." And uh-huh. there, an error from what at least could have been three players was a uh, Cammy Bell goal kick out. Uh, Hamill then Hamill played it back into Sissoko was it straight out to Sissoko yes. I think Sissoko made the mistake well, you see her philosophy has always been to build up from the back mm-hmm. and when you play that high risk when you bring teams onto you if there's one thing that's susceptible it's making a mistake mm-hmm. and we teach the players to get into receiving positions everywhere in the pitch mm-hmm. as opposed to working off long ball and you're going to get kicked in the teeth sometimes in the League Cup final uh, Dudu almost <laughs> cost us after three minutes And but it's still my philosophy uh-huh. and, and how I wanted the teams to play yeah. and uh, I think we played really well that day against Rangers we were very unfortunate Absolutely, well, like I say, that's what I was saying. I remember I was watching the game and I said, we are going to hammer them today, but the way we're playing, we're outstanding. And then after the Rangers game, I think we went maybe a month and a half without getting beaten until we played Rangers again at Ibrox in the Cup, uh, 3-0. Poor performance. Uh, we didn't play well that night. Well, to be fair, uh, maybe a lot of the way Rangers style of play as well at the time. Uh, well, if Cammy had a weakness, I felt, 
uh, I spoke with Billy Thompson about it. If Cammy had a weakness, it was long shots. Uh-huh. His reflexes and his agility in close and staying tall and all those things. And he was beat with two long shots, one from Lafferty that night. Uh-huh. I thought he was... You know the way some people are short-sighted and long-sighted? Uh-huh. I don't know if there's a problem there or not, but <laughs> I thought that Cammy was brilliant for us, don't get me wrong. But in that game, there was a couple of long shots that beat us. But it wasn't his fault. We didn't just didn't play that well. Yeah. See, sometimes that just happens. We froze a wee bit. Yeah, because... See, this may seem like silly one, this is just my observation, but see, I wanted to do that. We've, it was even the game on the Monday night, because see if it was a Saturday, the Scottish Cup feeling, I think there would have been a bigger command support there as That's well, right. there would have been a better happen. Uh-huh. There was still a good command support there that night, right enough, but the Monday night killed the game. It, it was freezing, I remember it well, yeah. It was a poor game, but anyway, kick on for that, and we'll just uh, jump to when Mixo left to take the uh, Finland job in March. Um, how did that come about? Did they ask you to go with them at first when they when they No, the language was always going to be a problem. Right. And Mixley left, and then Michael being Michael, I was kept hanging on and hanging on. And yeah. Because to be fair to Michael, I was in charge of eight games. We had two games in hand going into the split, if you remember. One game in hand, and we had three old firm games yeah. within those eight. Mm-hmm. We had hearts with, with the top teams to play in the top six because yep. we finished fifth and we sorry we were fifth going into the break so we were eight mega tough games yep. and we drew four and lost four so we didn't win any in the uh, first eight it was a little bit like uh, how when I go to a new job funny that happens with me I don't know why I don't try to maybe I try to change things I don't know but I felt a little bit personally I hurt myself on that and I wanted it but Michael kept hanging on and hanging on and uh, Kirsten told me there was a hundred applications and to be fair to Michael he never opened one of them and then I'm going on holiday at the end of May which is a long time from when I took over in March and I still didn't know where I was getting a job so I went to Michael and I said Michael look I'm going on holiday can you let me know if I'm getting a job and I had prepared for getting the job because I set all the principles in place in the organisation of pre-season for the next season. And uh, he says, you'll get the job. He says, don't worry about it, which was fair play. And uh, You know, I'm a very stubborn person where I don't go chasing people, so I never pursued it. I was wanting him to come to me and offer me the job, but I had to go to Michael before I went on holiday because my wife knew I would wouldn't enjoy my holiday being away at the end of May and, yep. and as it transpired he said he said yes before I left so I took his word and sure enough he was true to his word Did you go in the rest is history as they say under your leadership at Kilmarnock so obviously you got the job was Jimmy Nick the first person you looked to to bring in as your assistant was the first I spoke person? with the back room I analysed uh, the squad don't forget, people forget, I lost 16 players at the end of that season. 16 players. So I had to come in in the summer and rebuild. And I thought, one thing Jimmy has is he's got, he's energetic in his personality. And he he brings fun and, you know, I think very compatible with myself where I can be organisational and, and Jimmy can be Joker's the wrong word, but have some fun with uh-huh. the players and build a good camaraderie and create a strong chemistry. Yeah. And uh, I think we bounced off each other very well. Well, that's saying clearly worked. I mean, because it's had a bit of a difficult start, obviously, with a few feet results. I remember the three three now at St. Mun Park um, quite earlier on in the season, and I was thinking, oh, God, but you know what I mean? And then we go into the game in the November again, I think, and we're beating Rangers. In, Speaking, obviously, the Rangers gave him the win the league 5-1 prior to that, because I remember seeing a quote from you, because obviously we've done the double over Rangers in your first season. Yes. And was that a quote for you saying after, it must have been after the, the 1-0 game when your son Dean scored, obviously, was it saying that you wanted to repay the fans for having to endure the, the 5-1 at home? You said yes, you say of course, yourself. of course, yes. So can you just tell us a wee bit about that, about how, how much that meant to you, I mean, getting, getting hammered off Rangers, but you know what I mean, there's... 
there was about 16, 17,000 Rangers fans in the stadium that day. You know yourself about the mm-hmm. crowd trouble, etc. That hurt me. Uh, it hurt me. If you want to tell us a bit about that, Kenny. It, it was really hurtful because being from Rangers territory at home where I live, uh, it hurt me because people from the Celtic camp were under the impression because there was three goals in the first nine minutes that we weren't we threw away threw down the tools but that couldn't have been further from the truth I worked on things and honestly defensively Tim Clancy and we, we just hadn't got the back up and we had don't forget we had a lot of injuries going to that Bryson was injured the back with, was, yes. was totally it wasn't and, and you could have drove a bus uh-huh. through it but it wasn't through lack of preparation or anything like that it just happened, and you know what? To put the tin hat on it, I felt so really bad after that game. And I promised that evening to go to the PFA dinner. A journalist had said to me, Kenny, I want you at my table. And I said, okay, I'll go, but I'm, I'm never good after a defeat. If we happen to lose this game, but I'll still keep my word. And you know what? I walked down at 5 o'clock to the train station in Kilmarnock, my whistle and flute on and all and it was bummed with Ranger supporters and that journey to Glasgow was unbelievable I tried to hide my head and somebody spotted me and oh well done Kenny and all this sort of stuff thanks for that you gave us the title and I was so embarrassed so embarrassed it was the worst feeling I've ever had basically and that journey to Glasgow from and it's I was on the verge of phoning the guy up and saying, look, I, I can't do this. And then when I got to the dinner, it was probably almost as bad because you want to be happy around an evening and people are getting awards and I'm sitting there. And then uh, the goalkeeper got the player of the year, the PFA player of the year, uh, McGregor. And it was Rangers, Rangers getting all the awards and I was sitting there. Oh, it was hard, hard evening, that. Uh, it was it? Well... Well, like I say, you were true to your word and you yeah. repaid the fans. We had a double over Rangers. It was a, I believe it was the first time we'd beaten Rangers at home in 17 years. I think it was 18, 17, 18 years. Mm-hmm. First time ever in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. What I uh, can remember, not with full, vivid memory, but we played Rangers at home and the week before the fans were trying, going to kill me because we'd lost 6-3 to Inverness <laughs> was that the week before? it, it was round about that time I think it was uh, the week before uh, right. honestly it was I will because it was, it was around about fireworks night I remember it was around October uh, I, oh, was, was it no November? November aye, sorry November, November. Aye, that's what I mean October, aye, November aye. but if you look try and trace that and see because I'm almost certain we lost 6-3 <laughs> to Inverness and the fans were looking me they weren't looking me out but you know we played quite open but Inverness were very underrated Yeah, and it was one of those games where every attack they scored uh-huh. and Shinny was bang on form Andrew Shinny and uh, they cut us open and you know we worked a lot on Rangers in how to defend to win uh-huh. I worked a lot that week in that and it was the practices we put in and, and the rehearsals and, and I really did genuinely feel for the supporters because probably in the back of that journey from the end of the season I know that genuine Kilmarnock supporters who live in the town and I come out with the quote about if you live in Kilmarnock you should support Kilmarnock uh-huh. and that was so genuine because it was like I wanted an affection between what I'm doing and the local supporters <coughs> the true supporters yeah and I know that there's people who are born and bred in Kilmarnock and they get married and they go and live in Aberdeen or Glasgow and, you know, they still support Kilmarnock. But, yeah. but there's also people who are born and bred in Glasgow and support Rangers and Celtic and maybe come to live in Ayrshire, but they still have that uh-huh. attachment to uh, their Rangers yeah. and Celtic. I can understand that, but when someone's brought up in the, in the borough and supports Rangers... I don't see the logic in it uh-huh. because football is parochial. It's about where you're born and bred, and this is our team, and you need identity, and and that's what I was pushing through. The supporters was to sustain that identity, and that's why I tried so hard to get young players through into the first team. Well, we'll actually go off on a tangent. Only mentioned the young players. Um, how do you feel? Do you feel that the 
since you've left, some of the players have regressed in terms of you look at Chris Johnson very inconsistent but most wingers are to be honest Roddy uh-huh. McKenzie's hit form this season which I'm delighted about because I, I was starting to doubt Rory I wasn't sure if he was going to do it but he's been outstanding this season delighted to see it even the boys you brought over for Ireland Jude Winchester I thought he was a cracking player yeah. I, I really liked he him he was going to be good yes and he, he looked I, what I always said about Jude when he came in he looked as if he played with Kelly for 10 years he was so confident on the he ball he needed guidance uh-huh. big time, so yeah. what's your view on almost when you left in terms of how do you feel the young players do you feel they have progressed or? the difficulty for the young players is they're victims of having playing for a manager who has this philosophy and because they were in so early at 16 and 17 years of age we had nine I think on the pitch for the Samaritan game yeah. <clears throat> nine of those kids so they have a manager who has this philosophy and we're playing through the units we're going through deep midfield we're getting Total possession was a big thing that we had. And then they come in, a manager comes very early in their in the tuition of how they develop, right in the start of their development, a different philosophy comes in. And I'm not blaming uh, Alan Johnson by any means, but what I'm saying is it was different to how I wanted my teams yeah. to play. So that was mixed messages for those young players. Yeah. And it negated where I was going with them but I felt that it, it did hamper them the new way of playing yeah. uh, not through anybody's fault just because it was so much different it was contrasting and then they had to readjust and the I don't know if they had any pastoral care from, from the new manager I don't know uh, the new management team but I was high on that I was very high in that and I looked after the boys because I always say a manager should his first thing he should do with his players is have a father-son relationship yeah. that's the way it should be yeah. I want them to be proud of me and I want to be proud of them yeah. and we reciprocate that I definitely feel that uh, I'm high in that I don't know whether the next uh, staffing was but they loved me and I loved them and they were you know and when you throw Mark O'Hara in at 16 to play a position he's never played in his life against a team who'd won their last 27 matches at Parkhead. No, that was, sorry, that was the cup final. The, the team that was the top the Champions, team. aye. Um, so, well, well, actually, like I say, we went off on a tangent there about young players, but I thought it was interesting she brought it up. But we'll quickly fire through this next bit in regards to the Rangers administration game in the cup final. So, if you can... You just tell us, well, first of all, about the Rangers game, how intimidating was the atmosphere? Because I said all week we were going to win, but the minute I stepped outside the bus, the noise just hit you, you know what I mean, outside the Ibrox. I'm like, no, we've got to get going today, to be honest. But it then, was, I've, I'd warned them about this. I said, look, this is the first week, and Rangers are going to be high in energy and high in positivity on the pitch to pay back the fans and, and give something back. And that was a wrong time to play them. That result was... My best, one of my best of our results and performances, because we gradually, and the tactics were, was to gradually stifle the fans, try and reduce that noise, try and slow it down, play possession. And we kept the ball for fun. Yeah. And uh, what a result that was! It was incredible. Because I remember it, it could have easily been more. I mean, the first half we could have been up. If I remember correctly, we could have been up with two or three. The possession then, football was brilliant, yeah. Outstanding, and obviously then Sasa Papa actually gets sent off as well, and I was like, well, we've got to do this, but I, I was I was something we would, uh, we would beat them by more, but anyway, I'm detained 1-0 before the game. Because anyway. Lee McCullough scored from a corner. and <laughs> it get chopped off. Lovely uh, mm, enough, man. Uh, because there was another one in the first half as well, was it David Healy scored, and the flag went off for offside. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so, right, well, you said that's when your best results, but I'm sure you'd probably see yourself, well, well even at that, I've actually missed out the air game. Is there anything you want to say about the air game before? That was great. What a feeling that was. Yep. Because if you're talking about doing something for someone else and contributing to their happiness, that that was immense. Yep. And I used it. It was perfect because I used that to my players to say that, you know what everybody's going to be saying and feeling? That's our cup final. Yep. We've beaten air. We've won the local derby. They're expecting us to get Celtic 
for second place and be runners up in the cup because subconsciously players start to feel that okay we've got the air derby out of the road the next one (coughs) so I used that a lot in the build up to the final about what the hell are we going are we going to go to Hamden and play Celtic and think alright we've beaten there that's all we need to do this is the one this is the one and we we worked on the belief of the players and the confidence and we worked on the travel thing everybody knows about you know we, we, we I orchestrated all the uh, all the press conferences that week I orchestrated them all from my myself to the players and what they had to say yeah and everything evolved around the travel and uh, but I'm digressing as I usually do but the air game was fantastic brilliant in- but it was worrying it was worrying. I was just thinking, when's this go going to come? Because we battled them for the full game, but it, it was, eventually came, it was and obviously. Tentative. So, even if you want to just battle through the final, just quickly, because I mean, no, it's it, okay. it, as much as it's massive, but we all know, we, we all know how big it was. I mean, how did it feel to you? I mean, and then the day you made grown men cry. They never thought. I mean, my dad was in tears after it. He couldn't believe it in terms of you get well, a I, game ten to one against Celtic in a cup final. You don't. I spoke them in the to them. I spoke to the players about it. And a very famous player, I'll not say who he was, came to me. I don't know why he said it to me. But he says to me, Kenny, do you know something? I'll give you a wee bit of advice. <laughs> this is a foreign right, player. Right. Don't get carried away, he says, because you never beat the old firm in the final. Mm-hmm. You might beat them in the semis, the quarters, when they might be off guard, but you'll never ever beat them in the final. Mm-hmm. And I says, okay. And I said, that's fine. I used that as motivation as well. Right. And you pick wee nibblets out and you, and you try to put it in the players' heads. But the final was like a... You know, to beat Rangers twice and Celtic twice in, in a short period of time. I don't know, those four games. And there was different tactics and, and different uh, psychological preparation for each of the four different games and we worked on all of them and I think it was, it was fantastic to do that but we did like one thing that hurts me most is when people write in the papers in the record and the sun and supporters column they say that the last six months of my uh, tenure was poor I would like to remind them that in the last seven months when I and I thought our football away from home was fantastic yeah. best away record we've had we won we won at Aberdeen. Look at the many clean sheets we had. We won at Aberdeen two 0 We won at Celtic two 0 We won at Hearts twice or three times. Twice, yeah. Three uh, 0 and three one or something. We Aberdeen Rangers or Aberdeen Celtic Hearts Hearts Dundee Ross County. Our away form was immense against big big clubs yep. and. Our performances, we put Motherwell out of the cup, we beat Inverness in, in, in February. We had, after letting all the players go in January, our six matches in February was three wins and three draws against top opposition. And Michael says it was our worst home record. He's probably right. But those last six months was damn good. Some of our performances was really what we not give for those types of results today. Yeah. But I can understand the home form. But uh, you asked me about the final. I thought the final was... It worked almost to a T. You know, almost. Because when we brought... uh, It was always my intention to be in the game with 20 minutes to go. But we didn't defend. And people say Cammy Bell was outrageously good. He made one world-class save, the header. Aye, for Stokes, yeah. The other ones, I expected him to save them. Their goalkeeper made four really good saves. Uh Uh-huh. And when, to listen to John Hartson in the dressing room or in the TV when I recorded and watched it the next day, to listen to him say that you know Celtic were unlucky and it was shitty in, I thought it was outrageous. I it was so wrong. It was so wrong. I still say that I still believe the best chance of the game was Dean's chance. Uh-huh. When he, and I, I was this is that this is that. He and had four chances and <laughs> making those runs. And but it was always my intentions to stay in the game. But 
we got more confident and we got more possession of the ball than I expected. And the treble, I didn't care anyone says the treble was in their heads. This was the first one up. And it was always my intention to throw on an extra striker because when people go to Parkhead, they think about uh, and Ibrox staying in the game and defending. Because with 20 minutes to go, a lot of teams would have played for penalties. Yeah. But we went for it. If you remember, we, when Van Turnout scored the goal, we had four arriving in the box. Dean was arriving in behind him. It was our fullback and an attacking. Our Lee Johnson had gone ahead of the midfield. The goal was exceptional. It was because I, I think the the goal itself doesn't even get spoke about enough no. just because it was the cup final goal because it was great even in that. But in terms of the counter attack and the passing football, it was, That's it right. was an unbelievable goal. It was an unbelievable goal. But um, but well, let's say we've we've dwelled on we've dwelled on um, obviously our big results and um, let's say we, we briefly spoke about Parkhead at the two 0 win there. Is there is there anything you want to say there? I think we did really well that day too, and we played a high line. And there was no, they, they couldn't. I knew they had no pace and, uh, and through the middle, but their pace was on the side, so we got tight. And when Forrest gets the ball, we get tight to him, and he, he doesn't have an answer then. Yep. Well, in the end of the day, let's say we dwelled on that, and you were getting in. Is there anything you would have done differently getting into the, the two home games against St. Mirren and Dundee? Well, needing three points, uh, no, uh, two points from two points from two games. Was, was there anything you would have done differently uh, in the build up to that? I can't think for the life of me how we didn't. Dundee was always big. Parks was brilliant that day against us, uh-huh. and it was brilliant again after I left against Kilmarnock. Yep. You know, and that's why and when he was with us he scored two goals in one calendar year and he had two assists and that season he hadn't one assist and he wasn't producing and he came back to prove us wrong and he did mm-hmm. he did prove me wrong and, and it was just when I look at it it was karma because if you look at Rory Bowling scoring the goal that put us out of the top uh-huh. six in injury time that was karma it really was and we drew the St Mirren game in midweek, isn't that right? Yeah, or, big boy, they scored yeah. his first goal. Man. And honestly, <laughs> you can't turn the, you can't say, oh, I should have done this. We didn't deliver. And that was a hard time for me. I felt really bad. But that was uh, the downside. That was a really bad point. Well, does that still almost keep you, keep you up at night, even thinking about that? In terms of thinking that... But it was the top six. It wasn't to win a cup or things. But it hurt Michael. Well, well, that's well, well, not going to come up. That's what we've got to move on to now. And it was total shock when when you left. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I remember, I remember on a Saturday, and my dad texted me said Kenny's leaving, and I'm like, no way. And there was just rumours, and people were saying it was other things. They were saying for you it was personal reasons. But then I think it came out on the Wednesday or Thursday that you were officially away. Um, and Johnson claimed it was because of the eighth place trigger and trigger in the well, was, but we all know. It might I could have thought of myself reasons. in the last game of the season against St. Mirren, if we had won, we were seven, something marginally got yeah. And I could have been selfish. And I says, these kids deserve a chance. And I put in Kilty. And we had nine in the team. And I looked at St. Mirren who were four points off the team above them right so they couldn't leap anywhere and they couldn't go down the way and I said this is good because Danny surely will put on some youngsters to give them some blooding they put on two in the last ten minutes and I had nine and I thought to myself surely Danny I I can't believe why Danny Lanning didn't (laughs) give the young boys some development time but he didn't and I could have there's players I could have played that maybe would have won the game. I just never thought of that trigger. I didn't even consider it. But it was prevalent in Michael's head. I don't know why he wanted me out. I don't know. People talk about the SFA thing, but there was three episodes that was magnified with uh, when I come out of Hamden to say that the truth that the boy... Uh, Dallas, Andrew, Andrew Dallas. Dallas. I said he had fabricated evidence to incriminate me, which was totally true. 
because you had to be at that SFA meeting. I brought video evidence. He said I threw the ball at the referee. The video evidence shows me dropping the ball, uh-huh. right? And the, the vid- he said that I gesticulated to Stephen Lomas. And because her guy was following from over there, I had the whole thing done uh-huh. on video. Yeah. And I never gesticulated once. He said I was animated doing this. I showed him the whole thing. I says, where is it? And he says, he said, I said, F, I called the linesman names or something. I should have called the names. And the guy, I says, he was in the meeting, Dallas. They asked him, well, how do you know? Because I've seen his lips moving. No, first of all, he says, because I've seen him. And I said to him, where were you standing? He was standing there. The linesman was up the pitch here. And I was here. So I seen he was talked about the linesman making the decision. Yeah. But he couldn't have been looking at me. So then he admitted then I just well I seen his lips I didn't see his lips moving, I heard it. <laughs> so he was lying through his teeth and on every single uh, what do you call them? Um, there was five. The final the five no five uh, things that I'm they were doing on I forget the word for it, but anyway, there was five. Those four were all, video evidence said those four were all lies. Right. And the one that I couldn't contest, which is not visual, is uh, dissent. There was no dissent. I was calm for a change. Yeah. There was no dissent. But <laughs> I couldn't prove that yet. But I proved the other four. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet he still, they still done me for a dissent. Yeah. And, and that, then I, when, when I went out and said about fabricated evidence, that got me more. So there was, that one incident had actually three times I was up. I wouldn't give in to them. And the referees and the, SM, the SFA are like that there. So I was so angry. But in hindsight, I uh, fought in the corner too much. I knew all the supporters, and this is going against me looking for a job now because... Supporters of other clubs don't like me because I always fought the corner of Kilmarnock, uh-huh. always. Yeah. And if it meant uh, saying something that wasn't good about Motherwell or wasn't good about St Mirren or wasn't good about Hamilton, I said it because it protected us. And uh, I'm a victim of that now. I remember you saying that, you know, way. Yeah, your only claim was really def- what you said there was defending Kelly too much all the time all the time yeah all but the time uh, how did it make you feel that after he was back in you well just about I felt, to back I felt really proud that the supporters were behind me I really did I can't deny that I didn't want any bad feeling around the supporters and what worried me was that the supporters might go against each other I was aware that that, might, that was possible well. that was possible but Obviously, you feel good that people were supporting me. Yep. You know, I, I have to admit that. But in the same token, you didn't want too much disharmony uh-huh. that might disperse everything and no season tickets sold and all that sort of thing. Because I had great relationships down in, down in Kilmarnock and a lot of friends. But uh, no matter what happens, you know, it's performances and outcomes in the pits. I think should be the most talked about thing. Yeah. I don't like that, all that stuff. But I was really happy that people supported me. Yeah. Well, obviously, then that led to your departure at Kelly. Um, unfortunately, most would say anyway. So, let's say, obviously, that's kind of a wee bit push for time here anyway. I've got to finish off with speaking to you about normal job, but is there anything you want to say in your... Well, the last two years in terms of, is there anything you want to quickly talk about your time at Morton or uh, Thailand that you, you wish to get off the chest or just anything you, you want to say before we talk about No, just Morton was a good experience, <laughs> but um, it was a difficult time for me to come in and, you know, I didn't get time to stamp myself on it. But, uh, and I made mistakes bringing in players who I thought were in better shape than they were. Gary O'Connell. Uh, people like that, you know, not singling him out. But, it was a tough, a tough gig for me, and I'm, I'm a better manager for it. I see more of it in Scottish football. I just, I can't comprehend why clubs haven't taken me on. Do you believe it's to do with your, your SF? Your I don't know. It must be. It must be. Um, you know, what do they? They have to understand it. I know people have bad opinions of me 
other supporters of other clubs where it might influence boards. They maybe say, oh, we don't need that. But I think they do need somebody who's going to... I'm, I'm changed in that way. I, no matter where I would go now, I would make sure that I wouldn't be so forthcoming to the media because because of that, it's got me into trouble. One of the things I was done for was in relation to... I was asked a question on the radio about do you think Stuart McCall or Neil Lennon should get manager of the year? And in the, my response to that was, well, Celtic are the monsters of Scottish football. You know, they're the top, top team with the biggest infrastructure, the biggest budget. What Stuart has achieved to finish second, I think he deserves it more. Yes. And I was using monsters in the context of the size of the monstrosity of the club. I didn't. The headlines in the sun the next day was Celtic are monsters. They've done me for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can't believe they've done me for that. Well, it's horrible to see how they, they twist the walk, etc. That's, a That's the headline they had in the sun. <laughs> but, um, so, is there anything you want to say about Thailand? Or do you want to, how was it? Was, was, was it was a great football? experience. Very technical, very technical. Very, very technical. And they take the ball off the goalkeeper all the time and they play through the units. It was a great experience. And with a really young team, nine nine under twenty three internationals, but they were we, we were playing with kids at the last because they were away right up to the break. Yeah, but my wife wanted to be close. I'd, I read that. I thought it was because and your wife maybe I would have stayed on. Would you? And I'm well thought of over there. Well, that's well, that's what's actually got to come on to. Because this you know the fans. This is interesting. I know I have to go really do. Oh, Callum, you know what the fans do before the game? They come over. And the national anthem is played before right. every game, whether it's against Duck Rovers or whatever. And they come, my players go to the opposing fans and applaud them after the match, and then they go to their own fans and applaud them as a group and the manager. And it's a brilliant chemistry between supporters and players and club. Yep. And they go and they applaud them, and they before the game, then they come and the opposing players say St Murray were playing Kilmarnock they would come to my dugout and they do this here uh-huh. and recognise me the coach right it's amazing totally different coach oh, to be honest, the connection between the fans and the players is brilliant fantastic um, but no I want to get back in I really do well let's say it ties in good so you're you're linked with the motherwood job just now uh-huh what makes you think that you're the right man for the job? Obviously, I'm not the man giving you a job, but yeah. what would you say to Well, to I the think my track record, I've won 13 trophies, I've four promotions with four different clubs. My youth development philosophy is right up there with their needs. Yep. Just give me the chance to do it, and, and I'll develop players and sell them on. People forget that we got money for Kelly, we, we got money for uh, Matthew Kennedy, mm-hmm. we got... Pennies for Rory Bowling. Monaval's a provincial club. I keep saying it. It's it's similar to Kilmarnock. Right. And there's a community there that I can embrace and engage and, and bring them in. And I, I'll... That's another thing I did. I increased, not me, but us as a group, we increased the supporting... <coughs> the supporters. The volume of support coming to Kilmarnock. It dropped like a stone when I left. Well, it was interesting. I was listening to the open on Mike's yesterday and Chick Young was... Talking about attendances, I had an article on the Kelly program, and it's actually halved since Kilmarnock have been promoted. The average attendance, you know what I mean? It's been up down. It was, it was almost to a nine and a half thousand. The average attendance was in '93, '94. Tommy Burns brought the club up, who you've been liking to a lot, by the way. That's yeah, yeah. how highly thought of you are. You're linked to Tommy Burns, have they said that? But um, and it's halved almost to a T. Obviously, there's been up and downs. It's went nine eight, and the average attendance in 2000 was eleven thousand. Mental, couldn't believe that 11,000, but to half the attendance in 22, 23 years is. is a man, man. I know, I know. Just quickly, if you've uh, got enough time, it's an interesting. Obviously, you've sort of as a manager in your own right. Mixed with Pat Lyons, linked to the motherboard job as well, I believe. That's right. Would you work with him as an assistant manager again? Yeah, I'd work with, with Mixer again. So, if, if Mixer were to get the job, would you. 
with a bigger chance you would be his assistant manager? Or, or I would, would you so, work yeah. with him? As an of assistant course manager? I would, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, that's perfect, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, honestly, thanks very much. Is there anything you want to say? Is there anything else you want to say to get off your chest then? And you feel that I've not asked you anything? I just want the, the supporters to know that I'm watching things and how they're going on. So Kenny Shields there talking very fondly of his former club Kilmarnock, also speaking about his other his other club Morton and also the time he spent in Thailand as well. Delighted to say that I'm joined by the man of the moment, Callum Scott. He's here with me and so is Lewis Kemp. Lewis Kemp also listening in there and we're just going to have a wee natter for 20 minutes or so about um, about that, that interview. So first off, Callum, uh, I'll come to you. You're, you're obviously... Um, he's a big, big man, big role model for you, and your, your Kelly days probably better Kelly days than at the moment. Um, what do you have anything to say about about Kenny and how he conducted himself during that interview? Well, I'd firstly just like to to thank Kenny again for his time and effort. I mean, if if you've got enough time, I'll just quickly tell you how it came about. Um, it started. I was on the way f- home from uni on the Friday, and I was listening to Sports Sound uh, the Thursday's episode, and Kenny was on. And you know, he was just talking about how he wants to get back in the game and he was talking about obviously the mother position opening up. So I chanced my luck and I actually have Kenny on Facebook. So I contacted him on Facebook and to be honest I wasn't really expecting a response, you know. I mean he's a busy man, I thought I've got nothing to lose here. And then there we go, the next day I get a response from him saying that he'd be more than willing to do an interview with me. Um and obviously for for part of the bus ball. And it was terrific, and then just took it from there and arranged to meet him in uh, Central Station at um, about half ten on the Sunday morning and just went through there. And he was great to interview as well, you know. There was so much more we needed to get. I really wanted to ask him just, you know, specific things about players. Because really, obviously, you'll hear in the interview, it was mostly, uh, mostly surrounded around games. We're using them as kind of talking points to, you know, like re- rejig the memory. Um, so we used games as talking points and you know went off and wee tangents, tangents here and there but I wanted to ask him about some of his signings and that but we ran out of time but the time he gave me was terrific you know he was a very busy man that day yet he still had a spare 40 minutes to sit and talk to me at length it was absolutely brilliant great experience for me You mentioned the games there uh, obviously the one he'll probably be remembered most for is time at command it was a cup final against Celtic perhaps yep. a semi-final against Air as well <laughs> Did you, as a fan, a Kilmarnock fan, learn a lot? I mean, me personally, um, not even a Kilmarnock fan, I thought it was really interesting to hear how he'd built Celtic up for the treble, saying the whole week before. I mean, stuff like that for you as a fan must be really interesting to hear from him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's, we obviously know how great he is, obviously. Um, his history in the media, you know, you always get interest out of Kenny. <clears throat> and... Obviously, I'm slightly biased towards him because I do believe he talks. I, I agree with most, if not everything he says. Um, and you know the way he was talking about the final and all the games, it was really interesting. Um, but I was already sort of aware of that in the final because obviously some of the commander supporters listening who have the cut final DVD kind of touches on that. You know he talks about how they sang up the treble, but he even said himself at the end of the day, Celtic were a good enough team to, to win the treble. He, he wasn't. It wasn't all talk. It was. It was to t- put some of the focus away from Kilmarnock, but a lot of what he was saying was truth. You know, it wasn't like uh, taking the mickey out of Celtic or anything. In my opinion, anyway, he said himself, <coughs> he really admires Celtic and the way they play, and they were a very good side that year. Because um, obviously, I think they were unbeaten in 27 games until they played us in the final and <coughs> uh, we beat them. But um, it was great. But like I say, the. In the worst I could use me here, the, one of the most interesting things in the interview I thought was um, when he was talking about the Rangers, the 5-1 game, uh, when he got the train up to Glasgow and all the Rangers yeah. fans were there. <clears throat> it seemed to really hurt him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I remember after that game, I'm like, there's no way he can get the job, there's no way, and you know, should he gets the job, but <laughs> made me my words then, um, and let's like say the rest is history, as I touched on the podcast, and what I say, just what I thank you again, brilliant experience. Yeah, well, I'll bring you in, Lewis. Yeah. Um, you've listened keenly to that interview there for the last half an hour or so. What What have you learned from from about the man Kenny Shields from that that forty minutes? As I say, I just thought it was just really interesting seeing all the kind of back, kind of almost backstage kind of thing. Like we've always all lived through it, um, but we didn't really know what was going on at the time. Um, you know, at, at the time though, you know, there was obviously a lot of. You know, fans of other clubs were quite critical of Kenny. Um, I wasn't one of them. I was always, I was thought he was, you know, as a character, and um, you know, Scottish football needs personalities. And at the end of the day, you know, you know, we can we can have all these arguments and go really in depth of football, but football in its simplest 
uh, you know, form or, or the sport in general, it is entertainment, and you know he was a entertaining personality, and you know he did bring a lot to the game. Uh, I think just in terms of what he was talking, obviously about um, the actual town of Kilmarnock, you really wanted to engage with that. You wanted to bring these fans, these kind of lapsed fans back. I think that was something really interesting. Yeah, as well. what, what do you guys make of his his claim? The the feeling. What was it, the point he made regarding? He felt that fans you should kind of support the team that are from your area. Did you? I think you'd agree with that, supporting the team from your local area. Lewis, what were you, your thoughts on that? Did you, you slightly disagree with him there, perhaps? Yes and no. I mean, I mean there's, there's so many different you know, circumstances as, as to why you, you, choose, you choose a team. You know, it shouldn't just be restricted on, from, I'm mapping it anyway, you know, where you live. You know, I think, you know, me, me, me speak personally, I'm from Glasgow and you know, I was brought up in Glasgow and that's why I you know, support Celtic. But you know, there's always the other factors as well. You know, we, we can't shock away from it. You know, there is stuff like who your dad supports, and even even as well religion and, and the school you went to, and, and these are you know these are factors. Um, the, the only one that really annoys me when it comes to like the kind of you support your local team, I don't really like folk that like uh, support you know support an English team or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, as long as it's a Scottish team, it doesn't really bother me. But even then, I mean, people should be allowed to really do what they want. Absolutely, but. Um, <clears throat> To be fair, his comments there are even taken a wee bit out of context because actually explains in, this, yeah, in the thing. He says to me, he says, listen, Callum, I know, uh, I mean, you could you, you can live in Kilmarnock all your days and you'll go to Aberdeen and then you'll still support Kilmarnock the same way people from Glasgow have done that. But Kenny's point is they can't understand how MD that can <clears throat> grow up, um, you know, like, grew up, all they've known is their local, the, you know, they've grown up in Kilmarnock. How, how they can su- support their local team but at the end of the day as Lewis says I mean people are free to support who they want and I agree uh, the thing that annoys me most is not even Rangers people supporting Rangers and Celtic it's people supporting Man United and Chelsea's you know I would that's a pet hate for everyone <coughs> at Burst Park to be honest yep. so we'll talk a wee bit about Kenny's reign at Kilmarnock and, and compare it to where you are now I'm sure I'm stating the obvious when I think if you look back to that that period when Kenny and, and Mixu before him were in charge where you've got a tinge of regret perhaps looking back and thinking, obviously not on your behalf, but thinking how good it was back then. Is there a, a feeling like that looking back then? Yeah, well, uh, absolutely, Hamish, because, I mean, when we, we spoke about it and Kenny gets a lot of stick, even still for the command sport, I mean, most of the command supporters are very, think, fondly Kenny, but there's an element there that say, at the end of the day, we, we ruined that at top six, I mean, we had two games, which we did, it was a massive, massive mistake, I mean, we should have got top six that year, there's no doubt about it, and Kenny said himself, it still keeps him up at night, but at the end of the day, I would rather be inches off the top six than be inches off even relegated, and Kenny Shields never, ever had to come on in any trouble, we were never, ever looked like going down under Kenny, we always yeah. looked, we would push on for top six, um, and we were comfortable, you know, that's why, that's why the top six thing was even more frustrating, because I mean, we should have been there that season, at the end of the day, if we won either of those two games against Dundee, well, St Mon, uh, firstly, or Dundee at home, uh, Kenny Shields would probably still be the commander manager, and that's what hurts me more than anything. <laughs> Was that an unfair dismissal, you think, Lewis? Yeah, yeah. At the time, I think. I mean, I think majority of folk were quite surprised that he was he was sacked. Um, I just, it was just it came out of nowhere almost, and um, I think it was. Yeah, I don't. Just what he's saying there. He was he was saying an interview about how um, he had to get top six in order to keep his job. It was a cause in the contract or something. Mm-hmm. That's just absolutely mental. I because the the cause in the contract was he's. His uh, deal, well, his contract would be up for review if he didn't uh, finish in at least at least eighth place. But you know, he was saying that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we, we, I think we ended up finishing ninth, but it was marginal. But it wasn't even that. It was we failed to get top six, couldn't get relegated. So he brought in the young players, give them a bit of experience for the next year. N- nobody cared about the last five games. We didn't need them. Obviously, it looks financially. What is it? Is it twenty thousand pound a place or something? Right. And as I said, it hurt it hurt Johnson. But at the end of the day. The, it tells it doesn't matter if we finish 8th or 9th there's nothing to play for anyway you know it's it's one of the biggest <coughs> myths in Scottish football is that the top 6 actually means something mm-hmm. you know it's it's, it's minimal and I, I know people argue or oh, Cubs are all you know they're cash strapped and they need the, all the money they can get but you know at the end of the day you know it's an extra maybe 20,000 or something mm-hmm. is, is what you're saying you know and, and a game against Celtic or something it does. it's not the be all and end all yep. it, it, it shouldn't be 
you should, a manager should not be sacked for not finishing the top six uh-huh. in my opinion he made an interesting point there when he was talking about that game against St Mirren at the end where he expected said he expected to see Danny Lennon play more youngsters in that St Mirren team for the, the final game of the season is that something you agreed with and also do, do you feel Kilmarnock in terms of their youth development I think you made the point that perhaps they've gone slightly backwards or some of the players have gone backwards mm-hmm. since Kenny Shields left what, what do you make of those two, two arguments um, the, the Danny Lennon one was very, uh, quite interesting actually I don't think um, <clears throat> Kenny was having a dig it was just his, his point he was saying that <clears throat> end of the day some men couldn't move up I'm sure they couldn't move up they had nothing to play for so the same situation as us you know this game means nothing you know it's literally there to pass up the time well, and Kenny had nine nine young players it was, I think Greg Kilty's debut um, maybe it could have been Robbie Muirhead's debut as well I remember him coming on um, so like Kenny flooded the players with uh, flooded the team with young players um, to give them a bit of experience and like he says I think Danny Lennon brought in like two in the last ten minutes or something but <clears throat> then they, they, these things happen um, but <clears throat> a lot of Commander supporters will um, argue that we still do we, there's a lot of young players there I mean uh, Gary Locke to be fair to him has been really good with Kilty in terms of he's, he's playing every week but to be fair, the board aren't looking after Kelly. He should have a new contract, but now he's actually free to talk to other clubs as we speak, which would be a massive loss for Kelly's contract up in January. Um, but the young players, when, when Alan Johnson first came in, um, they totally punted out the team. We were bringing in guys like Mark Stewart, Barry Nicholson, whereas, uh, <laughs> I know that's, that's how ridiculous it was, guys like these were coming in and replacing. Uh, the young boys that Kenny brought through and then Johnson ended up getting back to the young players later on in the season and he almost to an extent used them as a scapegoat because when the fans were getting on the team's back he was saying hey this is a young team we've got here but I mean we were crying out for these young players to be there in the beginning but in fairness to Gary Locke um, it it has been good with younger players and Johnson was as well towards the end but there's a few players that we've let go that I was really disappointed with with Jude Winchester being one of them I was really looking forward to seeing him at Kilmarnock and he's no longer there do you expect to see Kenny Shields back in management soon, guys? See, I was going to say this, um, just about how, like, his comments and about other clubs has kind of harmed him, maybe. And you know, he actually did say in an interview, I think it has harmed him, but I was going to ask you, what's harmed him more? Is it the fact, is it these comments, or is it his reign at Morton, which, and I know you just kind of touched on it, you're kind of short for time mm-hmm. and whatever, but... It, it wasn't impressive let's, let's no shock away no, from it no, absolutely I think not. he'd be the first one to say that as well wouldn't yeah, he, he would, and he said it was um, it was a massive uh, made him a better coach for what it is I know <laughs> most managers will say stuff like that will do it but I said at the time when Kenny got the Morton job I was happy for him because I mean you know they, they, they want to see him back in management but the job just never suited him right Kenny Shields is a guy that needs a full summer to implement his style of play and bring in his young players and you know get his ideas across. He's not the guy that you bring in to keep the team up. You know he's not going to come in and bring you in results. Kenny, he, he said himself in the interview, he doesn't. He doesn't time. tend. It takes a lot of time. Mm. He, he doesn't go in. You don't get a knee jerk reaction uh, with Shields. It's it's a long term project. So like, I know, I've actually mentioned him a few times. He's not like kind of J- Jimmy Calderwood. I mean Jimmy Calderwood. Say what you want about his management style and uh, his the the style he gets his teams to play football and. Uh, not pretty, but he gets results at times. You know, he, he gets results like when he kept kept us up, I suppose. But you know, Kenny Shields isn't that kind of guy. You don't bring in Kenny when your team's bottom of the league and say keep us up. That that's not how he works. You you bring him and you give him the full summer to build his time. And to fin- be honest, finances as well, maybe it c- could be well, especially at youth level. Uh, yeah, you're describing him there. Do you think Dundee United is an ideal job then for him? In a way, I mean, I know they're bottom of the league, but the young, the kind of youth players that are coming through and the potential they've got at that club, would that be the kind of team? Motherwell, maybe as well? Well, like, I thought Motherwell would be the ideal club for him, and um, he said that himself. Obviously, they're a provincial club, they're very similar to Kilmarnock in terms of size as well. Um, and I, But unfortunately, I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll get either jobs. And like, I, To go back to what Lewis actually asked me, I just think it's his, his comments and his relationship with the media. I mean, he's not. The SFA, 
despite him actually end up getting into a job in the SFA doing the youth coaching after it but he's, he's not well thought of in terms of the, the hierarchy in there and let's say and it's hurt him and it really does because even to get back to what we said earlier on I mean we need characters in Scottish football we cry out for them and then when one comes along we crucify them and that's exactly what's happened with Kenny Shields in my opinion I see just in terms of model but what you're saying I completely agree with you I think he would be the perfect kind of guy and I think another thing that's maybe missing as well is that Kamarnock's youth team before Shields was there was I mean when's the last uh, it was probably Boyd or something Naismith so and Mother was kind of similar position where you know they've not really produced a lot of players in the last you know ten fifteen years or so. Is uh, you know I, I think Kenny would actually probably do quite well in that aspect. At Mother, I think I still think if you're a Dun United fan, you'd obviously want Mixer there, but I don't know how easy that well, is. Well, it's, that it's good that uh, you actually brought that up because that was another interesting part in the interview. As he said, despite Kenny being a manager on his own right now for. What, four four years since he got given the commander job, um, I four, four years and um, you know, but he's still open to working with Max as an assistant manager. And to be honest, any team that lands they two together will be a very successful team, uh, yeah. in my opinion. But we'll have to wait and see. And obviously, I wish him all the best. Yeah, I know you wanted to bring up attendances, Lewis, because it kind of links in with an article you've your your weekly attendance article. You can see it on yeah. the the Busball online website. That's Busball Football. .wordpress.com and you can you can find out all your, your weekly stats and attendances and your feature article this week is on the declining attendances at Kilmarnock I think they've uh, halved in 20 years or something it's, like that yeah they've halved since 1994 it was actually um, you brought it up uh, Cal uh, I think it was a, in the programme or something there mm. was there was an, an article about it maybe about how, how it's actually halved um, yeah just and I, I've obviously speak about it in the article you know, there's reasons why it's halved Um but you know, you can't shock away from it. It's pretty poor. It's, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a good figure. And um, as I said, you know, there's there's reasons for it, but there, you can't really excuse it, you know. I I, I, t- I totally agree um, with Lewis, but it's just at the end of the day, it's, it's it's not the the sole problem, but a massive factor is. It's just the total disengagement with the club and the fans is. Isn't non-existent. There's there's no relationship there whatsoever. I mean now, I mean they shut them off at stand last season. Um, now you've got the way stands been shut a few games. Uh-huh. Well. They they put, put in the Hamilton, Hamilton were in the Hamilton, yeah, Ross County, Johnson of all. To be fair, um, th- that's been quite. We've done. That's always been a thing. If teams don't bring a certain amount right. of support, I mean a lot of time we've had Hamilton in the West Stand, but but they they closed the the Moffat Stand last year. Um, but they've opened a family section within East Stand. However, you get a discount on uh, ticket prices before kickoff, like uh, b- before match day. Sorry, before the Saturday, up until the the Friday night, you'll get a discounted price. However, if you don't if if if, if you don't have money coming in, in how many people would go to the football? Well. A small percentage of people would maybe go to the football on a Saturday, kind of last minute, decide, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll take the kids to football, right? A guy now doing that. Last year, he could get into the Moffat stand for £17 for him and uh, his kids or that would have been a fiver. So, you know what I mean? He would have been under, yeah. under 25 quid anyway. Whereas now, he's got to be £24 alone to pay at the gate um, going on the Saturday. Sitting in stand, he's got to be £24. And um, his kids, I think, I think the kids' prices are still maybe a fiver or something for under 16s, but it's totally inexcusable. I mean, how are you supposed to attract people to come to the games? Like but even even for a size, like a club that size, you know, they'll always have a big walk up. Mm-hmm. I mean, people forget this that yeah. clubs that like Kilmarnock, Motherwell, uh, St Johnson, they have a big walk up. It's not everyone's a season ticket holder, uh-huh. and you know, just to you know to basically discourage them from going to the match I think is just mental you know it is and let's say I, I totally agree with you Lewis and I mean we, we really need to we need to get back to basics I mean pricing is one thing you need to look at and uh, I want to actually bring up quickly an article uh, no the, the interview I said that the average attendance in 2000 was 11,000 it wasn't it was 1998 I just yeah. covered one track so yeah. obviously that was a PK Scottish football at the time but as I said, it's a very worrying statistic. I mean, since Kilmarnock have come up, the attendances have halved. It's I mean, don't get me wrong, I think a large part of it is to do with, you know, the, the team's not obviously not inspired a lot of fans to go. You know, they had 4,000 there on opening day, so, mm-hmm. and there was a bit of optimism there, so, you know, there are signs that they can get back to a decent enough number, but I think in order to get back to better levels, you know, there will have to be changes at, at boardroom level. Yeah. Uh, final word to you, Callum. Um, 
on that interview, you get anything else to add from from your meet with Kenny Shields? Anything else um, you you want to say? Thank you to him or anything like that. That's it. Again, I would just really like to thank Kenny for um, you know how, how easy it was. I mean, it, even go back to that. I'm no one any harsh feelings towards Commonwealth here, but I contacted the club two or three times last year asking for interviews. Never heard anything back. I contacted the players on Twitter. The players were more than welcome to do it. Eh, more than happy to do it, sorry. Um, they were very keen. They said, you just have to run it past the club first. And I've emailed the club two or three times and never heard back. Yet, I contacted Kenny Shields and the guys in the rush and he still sits with me for 40 minutes having an interview. And it just shows the class of the guy. And um, we could really be doing with somebody with his enthusiasm at the club just now. And again, thanks very much, Kenny. Yep. Well, thanks to you two for joining me, Callum Scott and Lewis Kemp. I've been Hamish Carton. The other thing I want to do, obviously myself, uh, on behalf of Burst Boys, to thank Kenny for his time. Um, we hope you've enjoyed hearing his thoughts and our thoughts on him afterwards. Uh, really good interview. We'll be back later on in the week with a, a review from Scotland's game against Poland. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>